you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hi everyone, welcome, really good to see you all. So before I get into our usage, I just want to just uh, mention a couple of things, if that's okay with you. First of all, we sent out a survey a couple of weeks ago about, um, uh, we're, we're launching another service, a third service in February, and so it'll be really helpful for us, particularly to think about uh, kids' church and youth church, is if, uh, if the members of the church um, could respond to that survey, you should all have that, and uh, let us know which service you're thinking of attending. Now, thank you so much for those of you who have responded. We've had about 200 uh, people respond, which is fantastic. But we, we need that again. Okay, so I think it's gone out to about 600 adults uh, in the church. And so um, if you haven't filled that in, can you just wait until I finish my talk? Done the ministry and then fill it in. That would be uh, fantastic. Also, City Carols has mentioned, uh, just to let you know, that there's only a few seats left. Uh, which is wonderful, but we don't want you to miss out. So make sure today you uh, get yourself a seat and for your family and for guests that you're bringing. And also, Josh uh, spoke on the Making Room Fund last week. If you didn't listen to that talk, please do that. And at the back there, you have an opportunity to give. For this Sunday and the next two Sundays, only for three Sundays, uh, we'll be taking gifts and um, these forms, which are pledges, if you want to do it over the next three months. There's a basket there, so just put that in there, and that will be fantastic. So I want to start a series called Prepare the Way. And just by introduction, uh, I just want to share uh, a little bit why we're doing this and some of the strands to this. This is a significant series, and we're going to be looking at a a particular character in the Bible. And this person was spoken of by Jesus as... Uh, there is no one greater. Jesus said about this person, there is no one greater, uh, which is high praise by Jesus. He was a friend. He was uh, a, a relative. He was a, a collaborator and a co-worker uh, in the things of the kingdom and the things of the faith. And he wasn't just a prophet, but the subject of prophecy in the Old Testament and is, of course, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's life and ministry was all about this. It was to point to the coming of Jesus. This is all that John the Baptist did, point to the coming of Jesus. And so as we enter the Christmas season, who's excited about Christmas? Fantastic. As we enter into Advent, approach Christmas and the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I think it's apt that we look at this. And so it's really fitting that we look at John the Baptist. And also we just finished a five-week series on making room. Uh, And the outworking of that, as I say, is a third service in February. But all of that, making room aesthetically and the physical, making room for people, really plays second fiddle to the most important reason why we're here, and that is to make room for Jesus. He is our priority. And just you couldn't you sense the, the weight of his precious presence in the worship as we gather We are here for him and him alone. He is our priority. So everything else we do is peripheral to making room for Jesus, making room for revival, making room for the coming of the kingdom. And uh, we want to make room for more of God in our lives. And we've also, coming to the end, we've spent uh, pretty much the whole year 
Uh, we're going to be doing it again for the next three weeks, looking at the Gospels and looking at the life of Jesus and mission. Uh, how we prayed for, reached out to, and connected with people. And in John the Baptist, we have someone who embodied that very vision, that very heart to reach out to other people and to be sold out for the coming king. And so we're going to take some time to look at some of his key kind of characteristics and attributes that help us to make room and make way for God in our lives. We're going to look at a portrait of his life. And finally, and I believe prophetically that God is calling us, Hull Vineyard Church, and indeed this generation, to be a John the Baptist generation. And so as a church, I believe there are specific hallmarks that God is looking for in his church right now, in our cultural moment, which best prepares room for God, points to Jesus, and prepares for the coming kingdom. I believe we're called to be a forerunner church, which ultimately is preparing itself for the second coming of Christ. But in the meantime, we are a radical remnant, set apart for such a time as this, and we're about his kingdom work until he comes again. And so we have aspects and angles of John the Baptist's words and life, uh, which helps us to prepare for what is to come. Like John, we are a voice, are we, crying out in the wilderness. A people in exile, we're a people in a um, a post-Christian nation. We are in the wilderness, so we need to be that prophetic voice in our time and in our day. Like John, we must be faceless, humble people, a faceless, humble people. Like John, we must decrease that Jesus Christ must increase. Like John, we must be bold and emboldened through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Like John, the church has to be brave and non-compromising and courageous in this hour like never before. And like John, we must always, always be pointing to Jesus and making a way for him in all that we do. So this is where I want to jump from today, that John the Baptist was divinely called by God. John the Baptist was divinely called by God. Last week, uh, last Sunday, uh, my family and I were on, uh, on our way to a place that I've never been to before. It's about an hour from here. And um, you don't want to get into our family drama, but we needed some coloring pencils for one of our children. We're having a bit of a nightmare. It wasn't for my 17-year-old, it's for my five-year-old. And, um, and so I saw a garden center. I thought, this is our only hope. And so I nipped in there. And of course, in a garden center, there are no coloring pencils, just plants and flowers, surprise, surprise. And as I left there in the car park, going um, back to my car, coming towards the garden center was a familiar face. And it was my headmaster from my primary school. So we're talking 30 years ago. And um, I only recognized him because I was talking about him with my dad only a few weeks ago. So I had a look at him up on Facebook. And that's why I could recognize his face. I was just interested to know if he was still around and, and how he was doing. And um, he'd actually just been to church, which is amazing. And so he recognized me. We had a great catch-up. And I, I thanked him for his investment in my life at such a young, early age. He made a positive impact on my life and helped shape me to who I am today. And on that note, can I just ask a question to you all? Who here is a teacher? Could you put your hand up? Can you just stand for a moment? 
Because I... Can we look around and can we give these guys a round of applause for what they do? I think you guys have one of the hardest vacations and jobs going, especially in our time. And we want to thank you. We want to say as a church, we're praying for you. We're for you. And, um, and we're just um, we're so thankful for you and all that you do in terms of influencing and raising the next generation in our community. And so um, we had a, a, a really moving conversation. Um, and I said how I'd begun to train in law, but... Um, became a pastor, and he interrupted me with this phrase. He said, John, you found your calling. And he was like, God has set up that moment. Because some days, particularly in the role that I'm in, the calling of God to be a leader in the church is hard. I think I needed to hear that, and it was, it was prophetic. God was speaking through my old headmaster that I met randomly at a garden center in a place I'd never been to before. And it meant I was late for my mom's birthday, which is never a good thing. I found my calling. And there were three great days in each of our lives. It's the day we're born. The day we're born again, spiritually regenerated, restored in our relationship with God once again, spiritually made new creations. And the third great day is when we discover the reason that we were born and the reason why we're born again. Three great days. And I want to say to each and every one of you today that you are divinely called by God. Divinely called by God. That before you were born, you were known, you were loved, you were set apart, and you were given a unique individual purpose. And it is one of your chief aims in life to discover what God has uniquely called you to do. I spoke to someone in our church this last week. And um, they were helping me out in a situation. All I could think about how God had shaped them with their gifting, with their temperament, with their idiosyncrasies, with their personality. They were uniquely called and placed to be doing exactly what they were doing. And I was so thankful to God for them. On my best day, I could never, ever, ever be as good as them or do what they do in the way that they do it. Sadly, our generation has always been taught, hey, you, you can be whoever you want to be. You can be anything that you want to be. And I just want to say to you, that's just not true. The only thing you can do is be who you are made to be. Even on my best day, I could not be Usain Bolt. I don't know why that's so funny. I could train and train and train, even on my best day, I could not be Usain Bolt. Even though I nearly made it as a professional in football, I could never ever on my best day be Messi. On my best day, I could not be Taylor Swift. 
even though I'm a Swifty. Any Swifties in here? I remember one of the most freeing moments for me came during uh, my sabbatical, during therapy and some coaching in a season of burnout. And it was this light bulb moment, it was this revelation in my heart. And to quote the great theologian Popeye, I am what I am and all that I am. That I'm me and I'm decent at a couple of things and I'm just going to do that and I'm just going to be my authentic self. Church, do you know who you are and do you know what you're called to do? I don't believe God plays hide and seek with us over this but you need to find out. I believe that the day we're living in, there's an urgency of the hour where we need to find out what are we made for? Why, do, why are we here? It's been a difficult couple of weeks. One of Joni's good friends um, lost both his sister and his mom in a tragic car accident recently. And we watched the, we weren't able to go down and watch the funeral online and See two coffins there at the front. It was just tragic. But it made me think once again that life is for living. And we don't know how long we've got, and we've got to we've got to be focused. And we've got to be single-minded. And there's so much noise and so much distraction and so many scripts and narratives and opinions and signposts. We've got to know what we're for. We're gonna know the story that dictates our life. Can I encourage you even in the ordinary aspects of life, do you live called? Do you see your singleness as a calling? Do you see your marriage as a calling? Do you see raising your children as a calling, your work, your vocation, the mundane even, that when you live called, those things become supernaturally activated. Divine calling is what marked John the Baptist. And this is his commissioning text which guided his prophetic mission. I'd love for you to turn to Matthew 3. Matthew 3, verses 1 to 12. We're just gonna, this will be our foundational scripture for the next three weeks. I'm just going to read that. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. 
I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John had one major purpose for his life. He wanted to call everybody's attention to the one coming after him who was greater than he. John's mission was to point people away from himself and to Jesus Christ and his mission. I just want to show you a picture of a beautiful painting. This is in a, a German village called Eisenheim. It's a painting of John the Baptist by the Renaissance master Grunwald. And um, it's a beautiful picture. And you have Jesus there, and you have there on, um, on my right, John the Baptist. Do you have the next slide, please? Just a, a, a close-up there. And you can see where he is pointing. He's pointing to Christ. Friends, this is our calling. Everything we do, everything we say, is all about pointing to him. All about pointing to him. And as I said, we live in a world right now where there are so many pulls and distractions and opinions and voices. And we can point to another person as the way, and we can point even blame at another person, or we can even point mainly to ourselves in our lives. But when we're called by God, the result is, is that we're always pointing away from ourselves. How we deal with people relationally, how we think, we're always putting ourselves last. We're making Jesus famous, making him great. We're pointing to him. Our lives should be in one direction to Jesus. The great thing about John the Baptist is that he knows God has given him a particular job to do. This is his job. This is his ambition. He may not do many things, but the one thing he does, he does really well, and that is to bear witness to Jesus. He, he doesn't let personal pride or personal ambition get in the way. He's not interested in building a career or a legacy for himself, or a name for himself. He, he understood that he wasn't the bridegroom. He was the bridegroom's best man. He wasn't the star of the show. He was part of the stage crew. He was in the supporting role behind the scenes. And church, this is what we do. This is us corporately as a church. This is our vision and our mission. That Jesus is our home. And our lives must reflect that. And this is why John said of himself, he must increase, but I must decrease in John chapter 3. This is key for calling. If you want to discover your calling in life, your unique calling, there'll be a number of things that are all pointing in the same direction, under the umbrella of the fame and renown and the glory of Christ. It'll be what... What is God saying to you as you look inside your heart? 
What makes your heart tick? What makes you get up in the morning? What makes you think, yeah, this is what I'm called for. This is what I want to put energy into. This is what motivates me. This is what I run for. This is what I train for. What do others say about you? What do people in the church, in your home group, they say about you? What do circumstances speak of? What do your idiosyncrasies speak of? What is your story all about? That redemptive story. What about the pain that you've been through? Where is that pointing to? What about your gifts? What about your complaint? The thing that makes you so frustrated, I always always say that is a clue, an indicator to your calling. What about prophetic words that you've weighed and tested? What is it saying in a confirmatory way about what God is speaking to you in your heart? That will always point towards something. And we see this with John the Baptist. You see it in his history, in his story, in his appointment. Just a few things. He's like the last of the Old Testament prophets, which now begins at the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. There's been no prophet, no prophetic word. There's been absolute silence for 400 years, and now enters into the story John the Baptist. His birth is special, it says, full of drama. And God's hand was upon him and with him, it says in the Gospels. Where he lived, what he wore, what he ate was certainly different. And people were responding in their droves to his preaching. It was in a peripheral location, an era of silence, darkness, political chaos, and then prophetically enters John the Baptist. His, his life was set up, prepared, ordained for this very moment in history. And everything where the stage was set for him was all about setting the stage for Jesus. And he was single-minded, and he was committed, and he was focused, even to the point where in his death he was beheaded. And friends, I've been thinking as we approach Christmas and we think about Jesus and we think about connecting with family and friends and neighbors, uh, maybe not all of us were, are looking forward to our family gatherings over Christmas. Sometimes it could be quite challenging. But I believe it's an opportunity to share our faith with people. And when we share our faith with people, what we are doing is that in our lives and in our words, we are pointing people to Jesus. Pointing people to Jesus. And this is what all that John the Baptist did. And out of these, this text, I want to give you four ways, four keys of how we can uh, share our faith this Christmas with people who don't know Jesus. The first one is this, be yourself. I know it doesn't sound revolutionary, but it's really key. Christians are not meant to be biscuit cutters, all in the same shape of gingerbread men at Christmas. We are called to be ourselves, called to be unique. Only you being you with your personality, the way God's gifted you, with the people that are doing life with you, the influence that you have can reach the people that you can reach. This is why I love the church. It's so uh, diverse and it's so creative 
and all of us are reaching into areas of life and the city in so many different ways and directions that only you can reach that set of people that we can't reach. I want to encourage you as you think about sharing your faith that you don't try and be like somebody else, but just be yourself. And sadly, we have an erosion today of confidence in being who we are. And that is being fueled by what I call the insta-life, social media, because it highlights and prioritizes comparison. And when we are filled, even subconsciously, by our viewing, we see comparison, is what it does is it erodes very, very subtly our confidence in who we are. We look at somebody else and their life and we think we wish we had their life. We look at the way they speak and we think we want to speak like them. Many people in the church are like that and we're not being our true, authentic selves. Now, this isn't, don't send me an email. Um, This isn't about self-help. This isn't about, oh, I'm just going to be me and whatever. No, as we see, the, the fruits of repentance is a changed life. In that text, repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry, it's actually a changed life. So we expect when Jesus gets a hold of our life, it's going to be radical change for the better. And we're becoming like Jesus. But we're becoming all that he has designed us to be. Not what the world has placed upon us. Maybe not what we've placed on ourselves, but actually how God sees us. I want to encourage you to guard your life against that erosion of self-confidence based on comparison with other people. Don't even try and reach people and share the gospel like somebody else. It won't work out. You need to be who God has called you to be. The second principle and key is this, is that we're going to be countercultural. I'm just going to put it out there, but some of John the Baptist's clothing was weird. And I was tempted to come like that this morning, but I thought, you know what, I'll go for the tweed look. Um, Christians shouldn't be weird. But sometimes we're the weirdest people in the world. The way we talk to people, the way we pray to Um, pray with people, we don't need to adopt a religious tone or jargon. It's not like God goes, oh, do you know what? I'm going to answer that prayer because you prayed in that particular way with the old King James Bible. We've got to be real. That people can understand things that we say. So I'm not saying we should be weird and there's something prophetic about what John the Baptist was wearing and doing. And, but there's one thing about him, and it was this. He was not just going with the flow of the world around him. He was marked by difference. He was marked by difference. John's integrity of his life and his message was a key component to his effectiveness. And I would say that the biggest, most powerful way we can share our faith today is by being different. If we are just like everyone else, what on earth do we have to offer our broken world? Just put the next slide on. 
Many, many years ago, you may have heard me talk about this. This is kind of like my life's message. Uh, I, I was having coffee on one of the, the avenues in, in Hull, and um, it said this, you are not stuck in traffic, you are the traffic. And of course, the, the basic point is, is that when, when we're, say, late for work or whatever, and we say, hey, we were stuck in traffic, which is very common in Hull, have you found? There's lots of traffic around. Is that actually, because we're one of the cars, we are part of the problem? We're not just stuck in traffic, we are the traffic. And discipleship, becoming like Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, being a radical remnant, and mission and evangelism and sharing our faith must never be separate. They must always come together. That our words and our deeds must always have integrity, a oneness, not a duplicity, not a, a kind of a public face, but in our private space, the worlds apart. But actually, the goal of becoming like Jesus and discipleship is that we kind of breach that gap between what we present and who we are actually in terms of our authentic self. So I want to encourage you all that actually as we think about reaching out, as we think about, we've been looking at all year about Jesus and mission, and as we think about this Christmas, that the greatest impact you can have is being countercultural, being different, and making sure that what we say matches up with how that we live. There is a weightiness. There is, dare I say, an anointing upon people who when they communicate, God's presence is there because it matches its real life. People can notice the difference. People can notice the difference. The third element and key is a simple message. Just look at the beginning. It says this, this was John's message, and you'll know that it's also um, Jesus' message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. I think when it comes to sharing our faith, we often overcomplicate things. This message here is so, so simple. The reference here is that the king is coming. In the incarnation, the king is coming. And when he talks about the kingdom of heaven coming or is near or is here, there's all these different um, variations in the gospel text. It's basically saying this, that Jesus is now available. And this is why we put such an emphasis in our church is that first and foremost, we're here to be a Jesus people talking about Jesus. We just want to make it really, really simple for our world. Don't try and complicate things. Is that Jesus, because of of the death and his resurrection, is that Jesus is now available for every single person. And he wants that restored relationship with humanity. But there's a problem. There's a chasm because of our sin, because of our evil that's in our hearts, is that we can't have that restored relationship with God. So what do we need to do? We just need to repent. Now repent, I don't know what you think, but that's such a loaded word carries many different connotations, but really what does it mean? It means I change direction. I change my mind. And it often comes for people through remorse. 
It comes through revelation, realization. Wow, I was going this way, living for myself. Then I realize that what Jesus has done and who he is, and I change 180, and I now say that is the way to go. Not through ceremony, not through good works, not through climbing the religious ladder, but just through simply trusting in who Jesus said, who he is and what he did. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so now it's about relationship. It's not about a religion. It's about a person. So that's what it means is that when we're inviting people into a relationship, what's really powerful is is your story, my story. This is how I discovered Christ. This is how I met him. This is how he came into my life. This is how I started following him and making him Lord and number one in my life. And that comes under the grand story of what Jesus did. The central moment is the resurrection. Christmas gives us a wonderful opportunity to talk about these things in a really relaxed, chilled, and informal way. Our Alpha has been going brilliantly. So good. I mean, how many people we, we got on the course? 100? That's amazing. People are hungry. People are hungry for spirituality. They're hungry for Jesus. And we have the answer, repent. You don't need to go stand on a street corner. I have every respect for people who do. You're courageous. I could never do that. I stand street corner and just with a sandwich board say repent. I'm not sure people understand that translation. But if you say this is who Jesus is, the kingdom, the king is here, point towards him. If, if you're looking for direction, if you're looking for guidance, if you're looking for peace and hope, if you're done with, you've tried it all by yourself and it's like, I'm done. He's available. Turn, follow him and you will find life in all of its abundance. You'll find eternity with him. Just this last week, I was, had the privilege of sharing uh, with someone and they had so many good questions to object to Christianity. And as we spoke, I... Um, humbly submitted just some of my perspectives, some of my thoughts. But when I'm sharing my faith, I'm always doing two things. I'm listening to the person and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. It's really important because what people are saying when they're communicating is that they're revealing often their personal pain. And what Jesus was a genius at is it was always locating the treasure that was in people's hearts. So you have these radical, polemic um, texts which talk about, hey, if you want to follow me, you have to hate your family. You have to let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. Sell all your possessions, follow me. Why? Because Jesus was always locating the treasure that was in people's hearts that was distracting them away from making him Lord. And he'd go right after that like a laser. And when we're listening to people and we're listening to Holy Spirit, what we're doing, I shared with this person, I just said, look, I think a lot of these arguments is just really you covering in your heart real disappointment with God. And it's like it just unlocks something. He said to me, I need to forgive God. And I said, 
that is beautiful. You need to now go on that journey. You just need to tell God. What is prayer? Just tell God you're struggling. Tell God you need, you, you want to forgive him. Tell God about your pain. Tell God about those things. Tell God that you, you're scared of going on this journey because in six months you might feel disappointed. Tell him. Look at the Psalms. God can handle our questions. There's no question too big for Jesus. And when you start to ask him questions, tell you what, he will answer. He will show up in circumstances. He will show up in remarkable ways. He will show up in signs and wonders and miracles and through you and I and through the church. And finally, I'll finish with this as we go into ministry. It talks about the outward working of a change life is water baptism. And that's why John did that. But one will come who is greater than me, who will baptize you, the Holy Spirit and fire. In the same way you're immersed in water, you will be immersed in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's no coincidence it uses the word fire because the idea of fire, it has a refining work. It cleans you from the inside out. Which is why when the Holy Spirit gets on you, it's not about just the gifts of the Holy Spirit and about anointing and prophecy and all these things that we seem to love in the charismatic world. It is actually about holiness. It cleans your life out. It burns up all the nonsense in your life that there's a proclivity to self and to other things and other agendas, and it's about him. This is when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life. This is what he does. He brings an assurance of salvation, a deposit, a mark. He immerses you through conversion and continued prayer and blessing. And you'll be a witness for him. And he makes you more like Jesus. Can I ask you a question today? Do you realize what you carry? Do you realize what is in you? You carry the power and the presence of God and you carry a unique divine call on your life. And when those two things come together, divine call and baptism of power, is that there is no stopping you in your world. You will be an effective witness to Christ. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.